0: welcome to torah on the go whether you are on your peloton or you're taking your dog for a walk or you're driving to work we want to learn with you i am so honored and privileged to welcome cantor jackie raffi to this episode
1: hi rabbi thank you so much for having me
0: thank you for being here Rafi and I appear in, I don't know, a million different venues a week, a billion different <laughs> venues a week. And although we are not married to each other, we each have a family. People often mistake us because we spend so much time together. I thought we would talk about communication between mm-hmm. husband and wife, mm-hmm. because as much as Lech Lecha is a story about Abraham's journey, mm-hmm. he intuitively takes Sarah. Lech Lecha is a singular command, mm-hmm. yet he takes Sarah. Mm-hmm. And We move out of the Parsha of Noah. Noah ends with uh, Genesis 11, is actually the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel ends with, it begins by saying, the whole world was, all the people in the world had one language, Naase Lanushem, and they had one goal to make for themselves a name. Which I think is actually the exact opposite of the way that partners should communicate. It's Mm -hmm. not about making for oneself. A name. Mm. It's about trying to work together for mm-hmm. for a common goal. It's about working for like, working to make the other as as their best self. When you read the Abraham and Sarah narrative, how do you hear the two of them speaking with one another?
1: Such a great question. You know, the rabbis have have noted that this marital relationship between Abraham and Sarah is the most fully developed marital relationship. We hear so many details about the way they spoke to one another, the way they work together as a team. And one of the things that I really admire about the relationship is how connected they are as a team, how much they work with each other. Sometimes Abraham and Sarah ask each other to do kind of crazy things. Like Abraham goes, into Egypt, right. and later goes to uh, King Abimelech's
0: place. Right, in Gerar.
1: Place. Yes, in Gerar. And he asks Sarah to pretend that she's his sister, which technically she's kind of his sister, half-sister, or his niece, but he, he asks her to pretend she's not his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a big ask, because the Pharaoh takes her and could have his way with her, and she goes along with it. That's what he's asked her to do. She goes along with it. She assumes that he has a good reason for doing it. And Sarah also asks Abraham to do something kind of extreme she asks him to consort with her handmaiden they've been married for how many years 60 maybe 70 years at this time right
0: we meet abraham and sarah and they're like our grandparents yeah, like we right. they just come to us as a as a married couple that right. that we we never know the stories about how they met or what it was like when they were trying to make it together in like yeah. the tiny apartment we know them once they're on their journey and and they've already become you know, accumulated all of these possessions and all of these people. They have a fairly large camp by mm-hmm. the time that we meet them. And, and you're right. Abraham and Sarah, there is kind of a back and forth where Abraham asks these things of Sarah and she goes along with it. And Sarah tells Abraham to take Hagar and to try to build their family through her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we come to this pivotal moment in the text. Right? And it, it, it appears that Sarah tells abraham to cast out hagar Mm -hmm. and his son ishmael Mm -hmm. and it's clear according to the text that abraham didn't like the the suggestion Mm -hmm. that it it didn't sit well with him from the word ra right from the word bad it's his son it's his son right it didn't sit well with him Mm -hmm. and then god Steps into the middle of their relationship, into the middle of them <laughs> speaking with one another. <laughs> and God says to Abraham, Kol elecha Sarah Shma Bekola. Everything that Sarah tells you, listen to her voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's the first time that a Jewish husband listened to his Jewish <laughs> wife, and Jewish husbands have been trying their best ever <laughs> since, been trying our absolute best. What do you think that means that it that the that the command in 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 antiquity mm. To listen to one's wife as a, as a partner,
2: mm.
0: what do you think that means, considering that through the generations,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's been such a, a world dominated by masculine voices? Mm. What do you think it means that in our Torah, the narrative appears so early on that God instructs Abraham to listen to Sarah?
1: Well, I think it's very wise of the Torah. I think it's very advanced for for its time and I think that it shows that the tradition of the time we have we have scholars that, you know, that say that this that Abraham and Sarah would have lived around the 21st century BCE. And at this time around Abraham and Sarah, there was a lot of pr- prominence of women. Women really ran the household. And Households functioned really successfully with women running. And actually, Sarai, which is her first name before. It's,
0: it's the case in the 21st century of the common era as well. <laughs> right. Before the common right, era and right. the common era,
1: right. <laughs> right. So Sarai means princess. If you're looking at Sarah's name, Sarai means princess. And then when God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, Sarah means commander or ruler. And she, ha- she plays a big leadership role. Just like Abraham is a leader of our people, Sarah also plays a, a big leadership role role in the home so i think the the they're they're both functioning as strong leaders and i think part of the reason that their partnership works is that they listen to one another so perhaps god is telling abraham to listen to sarah because it was a given you know it's a given in in later later generations that men will be listened to just the way that society moves forward but perhaps it's not a given that women's voices are listened to so this command ensures that there's an equality of the uh, strength and power of their voices
0: I also think it becomes a responsibility. It becomes a responsibility set up by the Torah that men must or husbands, I should say, should go out of their way mm-hmm. to make sure that their wives are listened to, mm-hmm. to make sure that their wives' voices are heard, mm-hmm. not only in our home, but actually in society, yeah. in society at large. Right. right? right. Our, our, our wives, our daughters, as, as, as they learn how to transmit the tradition. You're right. Sarah has so many names. She comes to us as as Yiska, mm-hmm. which is where the princess tradition comes from, Nesichah, mm-hmm. and modern day like Disney princesses in Israel. Nesichot. Sar is is a, is an official or a commander, mm-hmm. and Sar Adunai, Sar with a hay on the end, mm-hmm. means that she's a, she's an official of of God. Of God, right? Rashi tells us that when God says Shema Bekola, mm-hmm. that actually it's because Sarah has a greater sense of nebuah, of 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 prophecy. prophecy. Than, yeah. than Abraham, yes, and that's not something that the Torah. That's not in the text of the Torah itself. That's an 11th century commentator in France, mm-hmm. which was not the most progressive time era <laughs> of, of of in world history. Right, we're talking about medieval France. And we're talking about Crusader times and um, this was not a progressive time mm-hmm. for for men and women for for you know our relationship with non-jews for all kinds of things mm-hmm. and rashi comes along and says that sarah had a greater sense of of prophecy
2: mm-hmm.
0: there are so many traditions attributed to her mm-hmm. lighting the candles on shabbos mm-hmm. are attributed to her baking challah is attributed to her mm-hmm. so many different traditions are attributed to her why do you think that sarah carries all of that weight
1: I think so our our Talmud also teaches that Sarah was was actually one of seven female prophets. That's right. And then Midrash teaches that all of the matriarchs and patriarchs were prophets. And I love this concept of prophets being individuals who had this connection with God that God would appear to them in a vision, you know, God spoke directly to Moses, but To the other prophets god would appear to them in a vision and i love this idea that sarah had a close relationship with god and perhaps this is also ties back to why god is telling abraham to listen to sarah perhaps her connection with god and the way that she spoke to god was was something that could be translated to more people was she could speak to god in a way that abraham couldn't speak to god so listening to her voice ensured that God's message was heard in all its different dimensions. We know that both Abraham and Sarah at different times laughed when they heard that they were going to have a child together. But God only heeds Sarah's laugh. He doesn't really care when Abraham laughs, but when Sarah laughs, he says, why are you laughing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why are you laughing? I said, this is going to happen. Why are you laughing? So again, it just shows that her she has somewhat of a special connection with God that I think is is explored by the rabbis and celebrated by future generations.
0: So the arc, the, the, the big arc of the of the narrative of Genesis, basically, if you begin with the Tower of Babel and all of this the, the, this 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 myth of where miscommunication comes from and where we all get, you know, mixed up, all of our languages get mixed up to the arc of Abraham and Sarah, if we read them all the way through their lives, is really an arc that strives for us to, to communicate more effectively
2: mm-hmm.
0: and to be more coherent as mm-hmm. people. And the brilliance of the text is that it would have been easy to pivot from Babel and say, well, here's a society that communicates well, mm-hmm. but actually it all begins at home at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. It all begins right at, over, over coffee on a date. It all <laughs> begins, you know, th- that's where we learn how to communicate and who is going to be a good partner in our communication skills with our communicate, with our partner. Why do you think we don't use this text as a learning tool? more often for young people in terms of how it is people should find a partner and 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 perhaps even with with more mature people who are looking for business partners who mm. are looking for who are looking for spouses themselves how should we use this text to teach it in that light
1: i think it's an antidote to the way society is going now where everything's just an echo chamber you go online, you go on social media, you you people love to hear the sound of their own voice. And there's not enough emphasis on listening to your partners, whether it's your marital partner, your business partners, your friends, listening to the voices of others, people who come from a different, you know, perspective in life. I think this text is a, a beautiful way to show that listening to the voice of another can set you up for success. And I think we see we see two sides of the spectrum within actually the story of Abraham and Sarah, within their relationship. The beginning of Lech Lecha, or Lechilach as Debbie Friedman reinterpreted it, Abraham and Sarah go together, and they, they go together. So God gives the command to Abraham. But later, when you study their relationship and how communicative they are, and how connected they are, you have to imagine that Sarah was a partner in this movement forward. You have to imagine that they ha- that Abraham came to Sarah and was like, God is telling me to do, what do I do? And she, Honey, we gotta go. We gotta move forward. You, you have to imagine that they were a team. It was a huge lift, to leave generations before them and to break with the tradition of their ancestors and to move forward, you have to imagine they they were connected and communicated about it and agreed to support one another, as scary as it was. And then at the end of their relationship, you know, after the the binding of Isaac, that kind of shows you what happens when communication falls apart. And... The, the the line after the the near sacrifice after the binding of Isaac we read that Sarah died so rabbis have interpreted this to mean that it broke her heart the lack of communication the fact that Abraham did this without telling her most likely right. broke her heart and and that was that was where the communication broke down and the right. relationship broke down
0: so even till the last moment in their relationship they they struggled with communication mm-hmm. they struggled to communicate with one another and in some ways to to transmit the the blessing of the Covenant to the next generation. As as you can understand, Sarah when she wakes up in the morning and asks, you know, where 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 is Abraham and Isaac and and a servant tells her according to Midrash that Abraham left with Isaac and a knife and we're told that that ends her life, that that her broken heart actually actually kills her. What's meaningful is that their relationship doesn't end with like a perfect Hollywood ending of them speaking to one another from their hearts, mm-hmm. um, with their connection, their deep connection being revealed in language, it actually ends on this question mark as, as, a, as, a, as an opportunity for all of us to fulfill the promise. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's in so many ways what Genesis is about. Genesis sets out for us a promise or a goal, an ambition to live up to. And Abraham and Sarah set out a standard for for couples everywhere, for relationship everywhere. And Shema Bekola, Listen to your other partner's voice mm-hmm. is an ideal that we can all strive to achieve.
1: One of your uh, one of your previous conversations with Rabbi Feinstein, you were talking about how our ancestors influenced the wedding the traditions of the Jewish wedding and you know speaking about the ideals of what Abraham and Sarah we we just read about Abraham and Sarah opening their tent to these messengers of God that come and their their tent is open on all sides and that's an ideal that we try to emulate under the chuppah that's right. for a couple their the canopy, the wedding canopy, is open on all sides because we want to create this open, warm, welcoming environment. So, not only their communication with one another, but the way they communicated with the world is an ideal as well for couples.
0: Right, and that wasn't planned. Just for everybody to know, we don't force the entire clergy <laughs> and staff to listen to the podcast. So, it's good to know that can't choice. Is,
2: that's right. <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> well, <true. laughs> thank you, thank you for for listening to the podcast yeah, and for being a fan. And and thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode. We look forward to hearing from you so there is a spot on the website if you'd like to submit a question or feedback if you'd like to tell us how your experience is listening to Torah on the go we would love to hear from you and we love learning with you so wherever you are right now I'm glad that you took some moments out of your day to stop and learn Torah with us and uh, we look forward to learning with you next time thanks Cantor Rafi
1: thank you Rabbi